You're listening to a special series of G4D, Grounds for Discussion, the podcast about coffee and friendship. We're your hosts, Adam, and I'm John. In anticipation of the new movie, The Batman, we decided to discuss our thoughts about prior Batman films in the lead up to the new movie. Our special guest for this series is CJ. He's a panelist on the podcast Super Deluxe GamerCast, a.k.a. SDGC. Plus, just like us, he's a massive fan of Batman. So we're super excited to have him join us for this series. Grab a cup of bat coffee and enjoy the show. Oh man, this this is going to be a lot of fun. Why? Because it's talking about Batman, and who doesn't love to talk about Batman? Well, I'm going to guess uh, not you, because you're wearing a Batman shirt right now. Yes, that's right. I am. I came prepared for the occasion, and I feel I have a feeling. I just just a hunch. Then our special guest, CJ, also came prepared for this occasion. How you doing, CJ? I'm not wearing a Batman shirt. I'm wearing a pink shirt. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared. I like Batman just a little bit. Uh, so if you're wearing a pink shirt, hmm, let's see. Who would be pink? Who's pink? Uh, mm. I don't know. Mm. What is it like? The, mm. the, the, the Poison the, Ivy on a bad laundry day? No. Uh, <laughs> no, what is it? The, you know, like in, in the 70s, like the, the, the Silver Age what is it the the brave yes. and the bold era where like batman just had like rainbow uh <laughs> like, yes there you go there, that's, that's my reference i guess that's that's the deep cut i'm gonna pull <laughs> i love it i love it referencing a batman comic from the 1950s beautiful absolutely love it funny enough i've actually been reading there's a collection of batman comics in the 50s that was recently put out that's phenomenal highly recommend checking it out for all you comic book nerds out there mm. But CJ, it is an absolute honor having you on the show. It's been quite some time since the three of us had recorded. So I'm very, very excited to have you here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about how you are a huge Batman fan, just like us. When did it all start? Um, I don't know. It's weird because like, I, I think for all, all of us, Batman's just always been there, right? You kinda, he's like an American icon at this point. I think at some point, what, in the like, post- burden he's he's always been an american icon like up there with like what superman mickey mouse right like it's it's that sort of thing so i i I always liked batman um when i was younger i I didn't like them as much as like you know spider-man and uh and all these or the hulk because like i I grew up around the time when like the raimi hulk uh spider-man films came out and like ang lee's hulk came out so i was all preoccupied there are no batman movies up until what oh five when nolan's Batman Begins came out, so I wasn't as deep into it. My parents didn't let me watch, didn't let me watch the animated series either. So it took a while for me to kind of come around on Batman. I think I owned a few toys, but that's about it. Uh, now, absolute like top tier superhero, my absolute favorite, one of the greatest like fictional characters ever. I think, um, and, you know, you follow if you follow me on Twitter, it's like I, I was making jokes about how like. I, I tend to think I'm above a lot of superhero films in a way I am. Um, but like seeing the trailer for this new one, you know, my like caveman brain kicked in and I'm like, Oh, sh- that looks cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's, it's Batman. <laughs> you watch Batman. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> me looking at the, uh, the, the, the pile of the criterions I checked out from the, uh, the library, like, like 
I'm like, no, 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 hold up. They're all judging <laughs> we gotta, you. We got to talk about Batman. <laughs> we got to talk about Batman. But yeah, yeah I, 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 I've always loved from the comics, to the movies, to the video games, to the TV shows, especially. He, he, he's always been there, I think, and it's it's always been like a lifelong love. Um, yeah, as much as any other like fictional property or any any other like franchise or property. Love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, you hit it right on the head there. You definitely become a Batman fan when you're younger. And is that the case with you too, Adam? Yeah. I remember having McDonald's toys and like, yes, I I was a big toy collector. Mm -hmm. I loved, loved like action figures and stuff. So I had like a bunch of Batmans. I remember there was one Batman. He had like this, like, like a suit kind of thing and you could pull it up and it became like a glider. Oh, I would love it. Yeah, it was really cool. And I had like the Batmobile, um, you know, all those kinds of stuff. But yeah, I used to love the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially Batman and Robin, which we'll get to later. But uh, <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for that discussion. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it'll be chilling, uh, to say the least, right? <laughs> Hi, but, Freeze. Yeah. I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, I haven't really read probably any of the comics unfortunately so i'm not really well versed in that but you know i've seen all the nolan movies i've seen all the you know the live action movies lego batman all that kind of stuff so yeah i would say uh i'm i'm an avid batman fan but i'm willing to learn more and get to know it more well you're talking to uh two of the best people in order for that to happen i was about to say john or tell us about your expertise with the baltimore john you like batman (laughs) What? <laughs> I, I know, right? Crazy. <laughs> as, as as someone who constantly, and I do mean constantly, retweets anything Batman related, <laughs> it's it's a no wonder I have as many followers as I do. Um, for me, my Batman experience for as far back as I can remember first started with the Adam West series. So mm. the Batman Adam West series would come on very early in the morning obviously reruns at that point. I'm not that old. He, Adam West for me was probably my first true introduction to Batman. But the thing that I watched more than anything growing up at probably far too young of an age was around five years old. I started watching the movie that we are discussing today, 1989's Batman. So just imagine you're a five-year-old kid, right? you're watching this movie constantly because that's what you do as a kid. You just watch the same movie over and over again. Every once in a while on Twitter, that question comes up of, oh, you know, what movie have you watched the most over the course of your life? And honestly, it's going to be probably Batman. And for me, it's the movie that had the biggest impact on me as a kid. And honestly, to this day, I still really enjoy it quite that much, even though I must say, I don't know why I was allowed to watch it at such a young age. I, I, I was going to save this for like the end, but I'm curious that would you ever let your kids watch this movie? <laughs> like, as no, much as you did? no, no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's, it's one of those kind of things that like, I guess maybe at the time you really don't think too much of PG 13 movies during that point because PG 13 movies were probably still relatively new. Right, because I think what the first PG thirteen movie came about after what Temple of Doom isn't something Temple like that. Temple of right? Doom and Gremlins were like the wave, like that's what's that's what kickstarted the whole yes. like you know yeah we need something in between. Um, exactly. Yeah. It, exactly. Now it's just a 
it's like the blanket for like anything that can be marketed to uh to kids basically at this point like that's oh, exactly pretty much it's it's very very interesting too because there was a lot of discussion about this new movie the batman by matt reeves that there were some people who were saying like oh it's gonna be rated r and it's like that, that that's not gonna happen there's, there's no way. no there's just no I, way I, I just bought a pizza from little caesar's like marketed with this movie it's not gonna be rated r are you kidding <laughs> like no <laughs> no okay <laughs> Get still got to sell action figures like, at the end of the I, day. Look, Target, exactly. Target has Hot Wheels and Lego sets of this movie. And that was before the rating came out. I'm thinking, yeah, there's no way this is rated R. There's no way they're going to like, come on, come on. Like Joker, yeah. you can get away with, you know what I'm saying? Harley Quinn and you can get away with, you can't like, you can't put Batman on it unless it's like an HBO only movie. You know what I'm saying? You can't, there's no way you can get away with that. I guess the question is what would make it? an r-rated movie yeah, now because exactly. like especially if like batman doesn't kill you know it's just like well no one's bleeding or anything so it's just a lot mm. of cussing and well know. maybe i mean some of the <laughs> comic books the more modern ones can get very very bloody mm. so it, it, it would I have mean, been gratuitous i guess um but it's like uh you know and we're going way off track i apologize i don't want to like go, go on like no, a no, tangent no, but it's like the you know what is it all-time favorite one of my all-time favorite games uh batman arkham knight was like an m rating and it's like it's nothing too crazy from like a a normal t-rated game with the exception of like Mm -hmm. you know they reference killing joke and like in very explicit ways i'm like okay yeah i can see that i don't think this new one will do it i think it's very grounded quote-unquote fans Mm -hmm. fans love using that word i hate it now um you know it's probably very grounded but i doubt they're gonna go like showing like you know kids getting hit with like crowbars or whatever i think it'll just be your standard like i think it'll be comparable like the nolan films you know i think so too i also think in general we're in for a lot more surprises than i think people are used to because i think what this movie that we're about to talk about really, really did was that at the time there was nothing quite like it. So this new movie, we've had so many other Batman movies prior. So it's like, what are you going to do? That's going to offer us something new. So I'm very, very curious to see where things go, but I, I absolutely agree. Kind of pull a Paul Blart here and kind of segue this back to our topic here at hand. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I do think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do think that this discussion about a more adult superhero film really pertains to Batman here, because if you think about it, in 1989, there wasn't anything quite like this before, and it was really a it was really like a revelation by all accounts. This was probably like the biggest DC superhero movie since Superman with Christopher Reeve. So this was a big deal. And while I was three years old when that movie initially came out, I can still tell you just how much of an impact that played out through most of my childhood with the action figures, with all the, you know, obviously the next movie, Batman Returns. But there was just so much that spawned out of that. That was just so influential. Don't forget the, uh, the 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 Prince album. Oh, oh, of course. <laughs> how how could I forget? Never forget. Never forget. Party man. <laughs> all all the old so, people, so all the old people who watch the Adam West complaining that Batman doesn't dance. He does. There's a song about it. Yes, he does. <laughs> There's a song. There's a song yes, right there. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Well. Let's get on to our questions here because I think I think we all can agree we all like this movie. 
So, you know, if I'm being honest, everybody. <laughs> if I'm being honest, like truly, and, and, and again, like this, this is nothing indicative of like the quality of these podcasts. Um, it just, but I just to set expectations. It all goes downhill from here, in my opinion. Oh, like there is, there's, mm. there's a definite dip in like quality at this, after this, in my, it, no matter what era you're talking about, it, it, it goes from 89 Batman and everything just kind of goes downhill <laughs> for me. Wow. Um, wow. And so it, it's, okay. it's going to be interesting, <laughs> like comparing these, uh, our, 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 our collective opinions. Well, you're mm. just throwing a curveball real early there, aren't you, <laughs> CJ? <laughs> Oh man, I thought this was going to be a fun conversation, but uh, (laughs) fun is to be determined. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) It's going to get personal as we go along. Yeah, right. And that will bring us to our first question or comment. And that comes from me. And I wanted to kind of talk about, speaking of fun, the music in this movie, because that was one of the first things I noticed when rewatching it was Danny Elfman's score and addition to the Prince song. So, um, you know, I think this is one of the first big superhero movies that had, you know, this kind of grand soundtrack and, you know, the first really big superhero theme because, you know, you had Superman's theme, obviously, and, you know, the Incredible Hulk theme song from the TV show. So kind of like that progression of, okay, what's the new sound and style going to be? And I think Danny Elfman does bring a lot to the table. So, mm-hmm. You guys, what do you what do you enjoy about the soundtrack? So I think for me, Danny Elfman in a lot of ways kind of sets the standard. By all accounts, Batman's score that he does is perfect from very beginning to the end. There's just not a bad moment in what he does. He adds so much to the atmosphere and the overall vibe of the film. It's it's one of those kind of things where when you think of Star Wars and you think of John Williams score, that score is so important to the film. It's like a character itself. If you take that out, the film is missing a lot of its magic, a lot of its charm. And that's exactly what Danny Elfman brings here. He brings something that really it's it's especially now with all the superhero movies that we've gotten, it still really hasn't been matched. Yeah, there's definitely a catchiness behind it. It's memorable. It is. It is super memorable. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And 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 CJ, I, I'm sure you're 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 just like us and you you'll spend a um weekend listening to vinyl, right? That's that's what you do. That's down what I there do, yeah. My awful, awful Crosley. Uh, but yes, <laughs> listening to to Pinkerton. <laughs> all your all your all your records are warped now. Yeah, but my, hey, my, my, my poor Wu Tang and the and, and Weezer records are, are are like crying for help. But you know, we all do it. We all we we we, we all need a way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm sure you agree though about the music. Yeah, it's it's great, and it's funny because it's like it sort of defined the sound of Batman forever because it's it's basically the animated series uh, score. Um, mm, it's yeah. the uh, funny enough, it's the Lego Batman two theme song. When you open up in the menu, it that the only two pieces of memorable music in that game are Danny Elfman's Batman score and John Williams' Superman score that'll play. Huh. Um, so again, like that's the sort of I like as much as I love a lot of what Hans Zimmer does. Like I don't think those those scores can match to like the the sort of you know it, it, there's a lot of dark and brooding 
in, in this music, but it's also a lot of whimsy because it's reminding you, no, no, this is a comic book character after all. You know what I'm saying? This is a character that's existed since the late 30s, 40s. You know, it's it's a guy who dresses up as a bat and he fights like, like you know, clowns and penguins and things like that. Like, there's a little bit of whimsy here and I really, really like it. I don't even think Danny Elfman's own music after this has been matched, in my opinion, um, as far as like scores go. I don't, I don't think he's been able to top mm. it in that regard. Yeah, it's it is one of his best pieces of work. Um, trying to think offhand of anything that really even comes close. Did he do? Did he do Pee Wee with uh, Tim Burton? Yes, he did. He yes. did Pee Wee. He did Nightmares. He did Beetlejuice. He did Spider Man. That's right. He the, did the he first. Did, oh. the Sam Raimi. Damn, you're right. No, he did the he did the that the Raimi Spider Man score is like especially now it's like it hits so hard. But no, but like Batman, I think is like is on another level as far as superhero scores. It's 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 you're, you guys are right. It's Bat and Superman. Like the most iconic, yeah. and hell, the like you like you mentioned, Adam, the um the Incredible Hulk TV uh, theme. That walking away music is like the most iconic mm-hmm. piece of music ever. <laughs> so much so that Family Guy referenced it. Oh. One of the greatest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I remember that. Yeah, um, I knew it was getting there. Yeah, I was like, wait for it. Can you please it, play the uh, Incredible it. Hulk walking away music? But yeah, no, it's it's um, <laughs> it, it it really again it just defines a certain sound, right? Very noir, very, very brooding, very mysterious. It's, it's just like the title character. And I, and I don't think anything has come quite close to that. Right. Um, very grandiose. Yes. Absolutely. I, I agree with uh, all the comments. So, made, so especially. much, so much so that the, the new one, the, 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 the one that just came out for the, for Matt Reeves's movie, it's very much playing off that sort of style. You know what I'm saying? Who's doing the soundtrack for uh, that? Uh, what's his name? <sighs> Michael G- Giacchino? Giacchino? Gi- he, he, like, basically uh, everyone's, like, new favorite composer that is a Hans Zimmer. Um, I, you know what? I, you know, that might fall, that might fall in line for other people, but I've been a fan of him since Medal of Honor Frontline. Thank you very much, Hell, CJ. Yeah. yeah, you're right. He, forgot, he did a bunch of video game scores either <laughs> before that, but, um... <laughs> I was a fan before everyone we else. Well. I am the hipster <laughs> fan <laughs> here. But it, but even then, that 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 piece of music is very much playing off of that. It's very grandiose, but it's also very mysterious. It's very dark. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's not the sort of heart pounding and that like Hans Zimmer usually does. You know what I'm saying? Like that sort of very like epic, very um, booming style of thing. It's it's very different, very soft, and I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, there's several moments that just oh, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, there's definitely a help uh, a heaping balance of a uh, whimsy and mysteriousness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. So my next question, this is kind of more of an about an observation. So obviously Jack Nicholson is beyond incredible in this movie. Um, just his acting and his face and just the expressions of just you know what he does and just the, the psychoticness of his role. But it's interesting because I feel like, you know, the, the story is more around the Joker than it is about Batman. Like, you know, they really don't go into too, too much explanation of Bruce Wayne. And, you know, they don't really say, you know, kind of what he does. He just kind of shows up. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I wanted to know how you guys felt about um, that kind of character development. And do you think Batman had enough character development versus the Joker counterpart? So that's a common criticism of not only this movie, but the sequel too as well. And that Batman's almost a secondary character. I think this movie does a better job of balancing it out compared to the next one. And we'll get to that why in our next episode. Mm -hmm. But 
I definitely agree with you. Jack Nicholson is he gets top billing here. Like when you see the credits, his name comes up before Michael Keaton. And we're given more of a backstory of Joker than we typically are. Even in the comics, it wasn't really until the killing joke that the Joker got any kind of background behind his character. He's always kind of just this mysterious, who is he, nobody knows type of character. And in that book, which did influence this movie, he was a failed comedian, just completely down on his luck, terrible at telling jokes type of character. Instead of starting a podcast like ever he should have, he became the joke. (laughs) (laughs) It was the only choice John and I had, become the joker or start a podcast. So you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You guys fell into the... (laughs) But like that, and that's a good point too, John, because like, you know, the Joker is like why people love Batman so much, you know, it's almost like, you know, I think ever since Heath Ledger tragically passed away, like the character of the Joker has been put on such a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And it's it almost Batman becomes secondary to like whatever the antics are. I forgot who said it, but there's a good quote where it's like we're we're, we're at this point now where like ever, our generation's greatest actors are playing Joker like he's Hamlet. Um, and I agree, it is interesting. Like you, you, you cut out there. Oh, sorry, but what is it? There's this quote. I so who, can, you, can you start from the top there? Yeah, yeah I'll say. Um, what is it? There's this quote. I forgot who said it. it was like a tweet, but they're like, you know, we got to this point now where like all our generation's greatest actors are playing Joker like he's Hamlet. Cause we get these overqualified mm. actors putting, going all out, right? Like Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, and I'm not missing anyone else. There's just no other live action <laughs> Joker. Um, nope, nope, no. nobody else. Nope, nobody that's else. it. But it, it is interesting. Um, and to your point, yeah, it, this is very much a Joker movie, but I don't know if you guys feel the same way when it comes to Batman media, almost ev- I'm, I'm interested in ev- almost everything outside of Batman more than Batman himself. If, hmm. if that makes sense, okay. like it's like kind of like the cultural zeitgeist around I, him. I'm more interested in like his villains. I'm more interested in Alfred. I'm more mm. interested in commissioner Gordon. I'm more interested in Gotham as a whole rather than Ooh. Batman because Batman's whole thing is just you, 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 with Batman. What you see is what you get depending on who's writing and depending on who, 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 what the piece of like, hmm. you know, media is. Um, so I, I think Burton's really playing on that where it's just like, well, no, people want to see Batman face off of, you know, the, people know who Batman is. Like, let's introduce someone else because he, we can kind of like throw Batman in there and he, that's instantly recognizable. You know he almost treats him like Dracula. Yes. If you ever watch like a Dracula movie, you don't see mm. Dracula all the time, but when he shows up, he, he makes an impact. Yeah, no, CJ, that makes perfect sense. Like, Batman's like a vehicle to tell the stories of the other people because you know what Batman is. Because, like, like, what is it? We're we're introduced to Batman here. He's like, he's not, he's not really a superhero or even a character. He's more of like a figure, like a, Mm -hmm. like this, this, a a presence, a presence. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all the shots, you know, he comes in very stoic, very like one form kind of in your face, very bold, almost hiding in the shadow. So, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And hell, we don't even get his origin story because every now every Batman movie has to do the whole, you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot outside of outside of like a (laughs) theater. Every everything. Same exact shot. Same exact like style. Even the pearls. What is it? Even Joker did it. Um, Mm -hmm. But here we get it very quickly in the middle of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. 
and that's it. We're not, we're, we don't spend like half an hour to an hour on it. It's very much very quick like that. We're just kind of given, no, no, here's this man who is clearly unwell because he dresses up as a bat and beats, you know, the ever loving hell out of, uh, <laughs> out of evil, out of, out of the criminals in Gotham. Um, and, yeah. and I kind of like that. I kind of like where it's like, you know, like let's make Batman truly mysterious. Cause then when you peel back, he, he becomes less interesting in my opinion. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that sentiment. I would even say to your point to kind of lead into my first question here, I wanted to get your thoughts on Batman killing and why this film is always more forgiven when it comes to Batman killing, because this film didn't really get as much flack, especially after the more recent movies with the amount of times that he just straight up murders people. Well, you probably should give some context that, you know, in Batman's ethics, his code of ethics, he usually does not kill or he does not want to kill. It's usually for some I was hoping I was hoping reasons. either one of you would say that. I think we should start with pretty, pretty I, I, that was the that was the uh, the pitch. I was laying it up there. Yeah. So thank you for slam dunking it. My pleasure. Like pretty stupid reasons. He's always like, oh, if I kill, I'll become as bad as Joker. I'm like, no, no, dude, Joker like blew up a bridge and like, you know, like killed some babies. I don't think you're going to be at that level if you just like, <laughs> if you know. If you yeah, joke, <laughs> Joker like has intent to kill. Batman is like, well, if that person dies, that's their fault for being bad. <laughs> <laughs> there was a comic where like Joker was put on death row by like mistake. Like he was a falsely accused of a crime. Batman got him off. Tr- and I'm like, what the... <laughs> Like, are you kidding? <laughs> no, this is the crime he's going to be uh, accused of. And I'm like, come on, buddy. Like, that, that code doesn't work. Um, <laughs> I, but does it bother you even like, okay, so I always try and look at these movies as their own self-contained universe. I know that there are a lot of people who are like, nope, Batman doesn't kill no matter what. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's TV show, cartoon, comic book. It doesn't matter. He never, ever does it. And it doesn't matter what universe. It doesn't matter which director, what actor. Nope. Just Batman doesn't kill. So I think mm, I think it's more of the idea of Batman than it is what he does per se. Like, you know, I'm when I think of Batman, I'm thinking someone who's like strong and like dependable, who's going to be there and stop the thing. Like if someone gets killed in the casualty, he's not like eventually be like, I'm going to kill you. It's just like, you know, it's an accident. And I think, too, you know, at the time, I'm sure they weren't thinking how much this could blow up or, you know, what the movies would be like in a couple years with all the marvel stuff so i'm sure they weren't thinking about continuity in any of that regard plus you had tim burton directing and he's kind of a little crazy so i'm sure he didn't care about batman integrity in that regard but more of the story behind it it. it's funny because tim burton didn't even read comics so i don't think he even knew that that rule he didn't know the rule he didn't know like batman's whole moral ethics like he he didn't care which i kind of appreciate (laughs) which i kind of the only one that I know he did read was The Killing Joke. Yeah. He actually writes like a foreword on one of the editions of that book. I, I don't know if there's any other ones that he he read, but you're probably right. He probably only read like select comics and was like, that's what I want to do. Because originally he wanted to do that Superman movie with, um, oh, what's his name? Nick, Nick Cage. Cage. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> like, how could I forget about Nick? How Cage? could you forget about Nick Cage? John? <laughs> I, 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 I'm very disappointed. There, there was. What, do you guys remember back in uh, 2016 when BVS came out and Zack Snyder was all like, you know, Batman kills, Superman kills, get over it, and people got mad at him. I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with, in, with his sentiment. Like, it, it, different movies call for different things, right? 
Um, yeah. Look, Batman doesn't kill, but if if you've seen any piece of fiction, he'll cripple you like to the point of death. He'll put you in the like put you in the hospital. Um, that you yeah. he might as well kill you at that point. You, you, you <laughs> get what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Yeah. How how long has he been Batman in this movie? Did they ever like com- like say anything like that? Is he still relatively new at like this job? I think he's relatively new. Um, yeah, I agree because all the the criminals at the beginning are talking about the bat. Yeah. So yeah. and the bat signal's not there yet either. That's true. Yeah, That's true. yeah, you're right. So, you know, he was probably very new and young at this. So he he didn't. He probably didn't care. He was just angry. Um, and he and yeah. even in this one, I don't. He he doesn't really intentionally kill people as much as he does in the sequel, <laughs> which we'll get to. You know, obviously in a, in a different episode where you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does fire Gatling guns yeah. from the Batwing. Yeah, but like at the like the- he crushed. Yeah, but that person's crush. chest was in the way. It's not like you know. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, what it's is- just the casualty of his battery. Yeah, it's fine. Or it's like what is it? I mean, in the Nolan films, and he crushed a bunch of cars in traffic. There, there, there are people in there. I'm willing to bet some some poor like oh, yeah. some poor mother of like four was like getting groceries on the same day Joker decided to cause rampage you know batman just had to like do what he had to do um yeah yeah i mean i i I think with with tim burton's it's like painfully obvious Mm -hmm. like there's no mistaking you could argue that in the nolan ones all right when he's running over the vehicles they were parked so nobody could have been in them you could argue straight up here he's like no he shot this dude point blank like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and in in this movie he literally has a guy between his legs, smashes his face into a bell, which alone would have been enough to kill him, but then sounds him, sends him all the way down all these flights of stairs. This is dead, lifeless body going, ah! I, <laughs> Just all the way down. <laughs> like, we're in the age now where, like, the Avengers will topple cities and then, like, you know, dip after. I don't care. As long as it is, is the character is still, like, the character, you know what I'm saying? This is still very yeah. much Batman. Um, it's still very much Bruce Wayne. It's still very much like him, regardless of the casualties or the collateral damage. It doesn't bother me too much. I I think it's fine. I think people need to get over the people need to stop owning, like feeling like they own these characters. If that makes sense. I, I agree with you. It's not as big of a deal for me. I also just think too, that like, if you really start getting that critical of one aspect of a film like that, you're really lessening your enjoyment of the film. And I never want to get that point to this film, not just because of the nostalgic attachment. I just, I'm really at this age where it's like, that's not as, that's not as much of a deterrent for me enjoying a film. I can look past certain things and just say movie logic, you know, but I, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really bother me. It's definitely noticeable. Mm -hmm. And I, while I understand somebody's complaint, about that aspect of the film i'm right there with you i can't make that big of a deal about it one i can't make that big of a deal about anything on the internet anymore at this day and age (laughs) but i also just kind of feel like too that in the grand scheme of things this movie to your point it's still very much batman it has all the hallmarks and all the things that we love about batman in it i mean yes granted it is definitely tim burton's version and even more so in the next film (laughs) But that's the thing is that you have a director here who has a vision, who has control over what he's making, you know? And I think that that, that's ultimately something that for me is part of the reason why this movie has had appeal for such a long time 
is that like it truly has a vision behind it that just it's not just someone having control of their vision but it's like a fully realized vision like that everything was thought out not just all the stuff that we mentioned but also the sets are great the costumes are great the script is great and i think that for my final question or slash topic here i want to know what this movie does better or worse compared to modern superhero movies or other Batman movies? And CJ, I'll hand that off to you because I'm sure you definitely have an answer for that. Um, It's no secret. This is like not only my favorite Batman movie, it's I think my favorite superhero movie and probably like my, one of my all time favorite movies ever. I don't have the same nostalgic connection as most people do, but this, I think this pre Spider-Man one and two, and then pre Spider-Verse, this is the closest we've ever gotten to like an auteur driven superhero film because it does feel like a director had like a clear, like you said, a clear vision and they just went with it. Um, and nothing has come close. It, there's like elements of film noir, German expressional, like expressionalist, like imagery. Art like, deco. Co- co- yes. Oh my God. It, you can't really tell what time period this movie's in. You know, is it in the 40s? <laughs> yeah, is it in the 80s? Fair. No one knows, but you, 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 it, it's amazing. The performances are great. Keaton is like two different characters here. In this era where mm. like superheroes always have their masks off and like that line is, 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 is blurred, there are two different characters at play here. Very much so. And I really like that. The supporting cast is great. Um, Nicholson, Nicholson goes off the rails. Basically, he's playing like a precursor to his character from The Departed. Um, way earlier and I, and I really like that I really do like that because he's, he's playing the Jack Nicholson type really well but then he, he just put makeup on him um, I, again I, the, there there is nothing in this movie that has been replicated and it's a shame but it, it's all but it also makes it really special and it's amazing how like Tim Burton has like come so far he's so far removed from the Batman director um this this almost doesn't feel like a product of him but in a way it just it 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 also feels entirely like him if that makes any sense i i don't know it's just it's it's as close to perfect as like any superhero film can come and i really really love it for that all right how about you adam yeah cj i'm i'm there with you it it i really like the practical sets i like all the you know effects the simplicity of it the you know it looks like someone worked on it because all we get now is these giant cgi cluster f's and we watched the eternals the other night and just like oh just like enough and that one was shot on like actual like locations too like believe it or not which oh is funny like that one was that was like toted as like this is the terrence malick film of marvel movie because <laughs> it was shot yeah. on like beaches somewhere um <laughs> Yeah, someone missed that memo if that's the case. But uh, yeah, you know, I just, you know, there's like passion behind it. You know, you hear all these acclaimed directors who get these Marvel, big Marvel movies. You know, Edgar Wright, for instance, had Ant-Man at first and he didn't get to finish his vision. You know, it's like, what could have been? You know, and I think just the film industry in general back in the day, you know, they were still trying to cling on to like certain directors and try to make it big with things. And I think unfortunately the industry the way it is today everything has to be a franchise everything has to connect and all this kind of stuff and you know no one can just make a dumb batman movie or a cool batman movie it's got to all connect you know and there's just too much capitalism behind it but yeah the, the- you know kind of like what cj said it, it was you know the beginning of like an incredible movies to begin and yeah 
That's how I feel. Yeah, it's a highly influential blockbuster. And I think what it does better than most superhero movies, aside from all the things that you all mentioned, is a certain sense of like, okay, all these elements, the script, the actors, the score, what have you, all have to align to like one kind of overarching um, vision. And I mean, yes, it's Tim Burton who's at the forefront of all that. Make no mistake. You all are absolutely right. It's his vision. It's his world. And it's his version of Batman. And in many ways, that's why we might never get something like this ever again. Because say what you will about Tim Burton, good, bad, or indifferent, he brings a lot of his own style and his own vision to his works, especially in his earlier days. Even aside from Batman, look at Edward Scissorhands, look at Beetlejuice, all those different elements. They all have some elements that kind of really connect together. And it's because of what he brings as a director and really as an auteur and really as just a visionary. Yeah, I think, you know, now, unfortunately, to kind of elaborate on your point, Adam, The Eternals, yes, it was directed by fantastic director, uh, Chloe Zhao. Is that who it is? <laughs> Chloe Zhao, thank you. Um, and she obviously is very, very great at what she does, but how much control did she have? Was she able to work on this movie like Tim Burton did with Batman? Definitely not. It's a whole different game now. Oh, whole yeah. different game like, now. Look, uh, what's his name? Sam Raimi is doing uh, what is it, Multiverse of Madness. That, that's not going to oh, be yeah. a Sam Raimi movie. That is no, not, not. going to be like. Well, it switched directors too. Exactly. Halfway through. Scott, Scott Derrickson left. Sam Raimi's doing yeah. it. And we all got excited. But then, like, you know, reshoots, this, things like that. It's like the yeah. age of, like, like even, like, mind you, even, like, the very, like, the, the sort of, like, the mixed ones that no one likes are, still have, like, a little bit of taste of, like, actual, like, auteurs behind them. Like, that Suicide Squad movie is terrible, but you could tell David Ayer was like behind most of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even though obviously yeah. it's it was kind of butchered from what his vision is, you know, quote unquote. Hell, Zack Snyder. Listen, we all hate the guy, I guess, but like, he, he he's an auteur. Lo- you know, lo- lo- love it or hate it, like he he, he has a, a definite vision. It, it's 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 a sh- and again, like Spider Verse is another great example of like no, these are people with actual visions who want to create like a mm-hmm. meaningful work of art within like the the structure of like a superhero film um a lot but a lot of that's just so is it's kind of gone it is it, 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 a lot of it the, the days of like you know sam raimi getting a superhero movie and making it his own are like gone uh-huh. yeah i'm actually reading the um the mel brook mel brooks autobiography right now I, I have the audiobook and it's it's kind of like you know these comedy like legends, you know, and just how people would just give them a chance to make something, you know I mean? That's pretty much what the producers was and had not, not happened, you know, Mel Brooks would have rose to fame and all that. So it's like, you know, I hate how there's not much chance given to directors now, especially how, with how easy it is to make movies these days and the creativity and everything. It's just very frustrating. Although my hope is, is that we will see that with Matt Reeves upcoming Batman movie. I really feel like he has been given quite a lot of creative control on it. So my hope is, is that we can get to that point of where we can see these kind of superheroes again. Maybe we won't see them with Marvel because really it's uh, was it Kevin Feige that has total control really. And about it's all about connecting all these films together. So they all make one universe. 
but I really think that Matt Reeves has been given a lot more control, probably more so than any other director. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe Zack Snyder, but even his stuff had been affected by studio execs coming in. Like, we got a Wonder Woman in this movie. Even his feel very... Like I, I, you know, like there's some interesting things going on in like the uh, Justice League, but even his do his his stuff feels very studio ish. You know what I'm saying? Like they, it does feel like it's a, it's a very big blockbuster movie as opposed to something more director driven. Yeah, I I would agree. I think he still has to answer the, to those people too. <laughs> I I think we'll know, and I think we'll know as soon as we're done watching the new Matt Reeves movie if he really had total control or not. Because I think if this movie ends up being as great as we think it's going to be, it's going to be because of him. Yeah. It's really going to be because of him and what he brings to it. Not discounting anybody else on the film. But again, to kind of go to our earlier point, it started with Tim Burton and it kind of all branched out from him. And that's why Batman 1989 was so successful. Now, as for things that I think it did worse and that we've really, really improved upon with movies, I think... The suits are a lot better now. I think like the Batman suits have really, really improved quite a bit. One thing I really noticed, especially this time around watching the movie, Michael Keaton really can't turn his head. That cowl doesn't really allow for a lot of mobility there. I think superhero movies got worse when actors had full control of their bodies. I'm just saying, I want to see a dude (laughs) in like all this leather. Speaking, (laughs) like the Eternals though, like all their suits just look like Iron Man. They all just like... (laughs) All their suits literally are just like that weird stylized yeah. robotic looking thing. Yeah. They all look like Iron Man. And they're all like gray and gray. I haven't even seen the movie, but I remember seeing the pictures and everyone's like mad because it's like, man, Jack Kirby didn't die for this. Um, <laughs> it's, because it's true, but it's like, yes. Yeah, so but yeah, and John, I get it. Like the suit is like very limiting, but come on, like the look of it. It's like that. that iconic. Oh, don't, don't, oh no, don't it looks wrong. great. Don't get me wrong. I, I love it. But I'm saying that like in this day and age, you know, he he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to do the same fight sequences. So I think like action sequences have really come a long way. But I don't think this movie was focusing on you know that kind of stuff. It was more of like the figure of Batman. Yeah, exactly. His like brute strength. You no, know? no, I, I I agree. I'm 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 just saying that like in this day and age, better technology, you know, better equipment, you know, camera equipment, what have you, really means that we can take something like that. And, you know, Batman, by all accounts, I would consider classic for me. I think now we're able to take it to the next level (laughs) because the benefit behind having those newer things is that you can make things even more comic book like, like this new Batman movie, just like the rain falling down and like the, the complicated city that he's in, like all those are things that like, yeah, I'm not saying it couldn't have been done in Tim Burton's movie, but you know, we have the know-how to make that look even better now. Like I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in like you know, with all this new technology and this great camera, these great cameras that are out there, we can make some really impressive stuff. Um, I also think too that like what other movies are really kind of starting to do a better job of than I think Batman does is that Batman unfortunately still has kind of the same problem a lot of superhero movies does, and that the ending is big. Bombastic action all over the place, and I know that's kind of what you want. You want to you want to end a superhero movie strong, but I do think that we've seen what can be done with an ending that really, really leaves an impression. Like the Dark Knight, like that's such a fantastic ending there. 
that really speaks to the mythos of Batman even further. This one really kind of ends on like the crescendo really going for the action, the big, huge, you know, climax with the Joker and everything like that. So I think, you know, it's very much still like it ends like an action movie. And I think now we're at a point where we can kind of move beyond that and offer something of a bit more substance at the end of a movie. Boom. So that's just me. So, okay. So John, I'm going to pull it up. You've been teasing this. Uh, I, I know I have been. John's been working on a, we're going to do a special rating system for <laughs> all of the episodes. So John is ready to debut his rating system for Batman. Yes. Drop the vux. That's not cool. <laughs> so for each episode, <laughs> wait, we wait, wait, are going to. Drop the vux. <laughs> what? Drop the vux. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can. I, I just... <laughs> okay, go. Go. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Adam's really sneaky with those. You could just throw them right in and really catches you off guard, the, right? <laughs> you got to tell Matt Reeves that. You got to tell Matt Reeves that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That was good. That was good. I was trying to keep my composure. So. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. Please go, go continue. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. That, w- that would have been me. That's usually me. But I was like, all right, no, no, no. Keep it cool. Keep it cool. The spotlight's on you. <laughs> No, it's all right. So for each episode that we are going to do, I'm going to come up with a new arbitrary rating system. So we'll do the typical one out of 10, but it's one out of 10 blanks. All right. So what we're going to be doing for each of these episodes, we're going to have an all new rating system. So each one is going to have a phrase from the 1966 Batman TV show based around the holy comments that Robin has to say. (laughs) So for this week, you will be giving a rating to the Batman 1989, one out of 10 score. So it'll be one out of 10 wholly known, unknown flying objects in honor of the flying object that goes around the film at the end, the Batwing. Can you say that again? Yes, I can. All right. Wholly yep. known, unknown flying objects. Flying. Yeah, you definitely want to write it down. I hope you're writing it down too, CJ. Only known, unknown. Okay. So how many out of 10? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, feel free to go high or as low as you want to because this isn't letterboxed. This isn't Rotten Tomatoes. This is all talking about all things Batman. And CJ, you are our guest. So you go ahead first and give your rating. So how many out of 10 do you give Wholly known, unknown flying objects. <laughs> okay, so obviously, as I mentioned, uh, this movie's great. I love it so much. It's one of my favorites of all time. So yes, it's a, a 10 out of 10. What is it? Ho- uh, wholly known or unknown flying objects? You gotta get it right. And you gotta say it like Robin there, CJ. Say so like Robin. Wholly, yeah. Okay. Wholly known, unknown flying objects, Batman. Okay, well, you said it for me. So <laughs> add, add, add the 10 to that. Add, add, add the 10 to that. <laughs> what is it from The Simpsons? Uh, the radioactive uh, fall up way, uh, j- j- jumping jelly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there's some really good ones here. I can't wait to I can't wait. Yeah, I can't some wait. Really, really good I ones. Can't wait. Oh I, I literally, and again, right before I record, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're going to do like something like five out of like five bobs. 
from. <laughs> no, no, I figured this is the best way to go because honestly, there's some really funny ones here. I can't wait. So. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. And plus, I purposely chose a complicated one. Well, we're warmed up. We've talked a lot. Little tongue twisters, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) How about you, Adam? Oh, man. This is a problem because, you know, I haven't seen this movie in a very long time, sadly. So, you know, I haven't seen the other ones either in a very long time. So I'm definitely up there with CJ in the 10 category, either 9 or 10. But I think as as we go on, my rating might change. But it's, it's definitely high 9, close to 10. So, so nine holy known unknown. Oh, flying excuse objects. me. Not nine holy, nine holy known unknown flying objects. <laughs> holy known unknown flying objects, Batman. <laughs> I like that you try to do a Robin voice. That made me happy. Oh, you're welcome. Ah, we so it, we do it for the gram, right? <laughs> so I got through most of my notes, but I'll I'll say a couple of final notes that I can use for my final thoughts here. So I I. I Pretty much, I think we're in agreement with a lot of things. I think Batman 89 is a classic, not just for all the nostalgic reasons and because it was such a, an important part of me growing up. But I really think that this movie just has stood the test of time. And it really is truly a classic from start to beginning, regardless of any flaws I may have mentioned. I don't need a movie to be perfect to have a really high rating, but it's definitely deserving of the praise that it gets. Some other key things that I wanted to bring up that I think we didn't get to cover. I think Michael Goff, 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 I always, I always get his last name incorrect. Um, really is perfect casting for Alfred and he shows up in all four of these movies and he's fantastic in each and every single one of them. You mentioned a little bit earlier that Keaton's Bruce Wayne is a little bit different from other renditions. He plays the role really as like kind of an eccentric billionaire. And he also wears glasses too when he's on the back computer. I think it's very interesting what Michael Keaton brings to this role. He really makes Bruce Wayne, I think even more so than Batman, his own vision. Like he really brings something quite different that I don't think any, but any other actor should even try to do, to be quite honest, because it, really is truly something that Michael Keaton brought to the role and no other actor I think should. Uh, You did mention how, you know, the Joker really is like the main star. I also kind of feel like the commissioner is kind of underutilized in this series. And I think obviously that changes later on in later movies, but I really, really appreciate the fact that Joker is also kind of basically like a horror movie icon in this. He's pretty much, like Frankenstein's monster in the scene after getting the plastic surgery. And it's just such a captivating scene to watch. And I love how Tim Burton doesn't show his face whatsoever. And he just leaves the room to, laughing. To piggyback off that. And I'm sorry for interrupting, but it's, it, he, he's very much playing it as, like you said, like a horror movie or even like a, like an old noir film. He's very much doing like a, a hard boiled, like noir villain, you know, like something you'd mm-hmm. see in like a, a John Huston film. He, you know, he, even down like the lighting and everything, and, and the way he 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 delivers lines, and I, I I think that's what makes it even more interesting than every, everything else. Because after this, every single superhero movie, what they do is they try to copy. Um, what every mature superhero movie tries to copy like other art films to try to gain some sort of legitimacy. This one very much uses influences, but there's no clear thing you can pinpoint that's what i really appreciate especially with jack nicholson's performance because he's very much playing a a standard mob boss but obviously with an extra layer of just like 
over the top. I don't know. It, it, it's it's something special. Agreed. And while maybe Batman threatens to kill Joker and uses guns on the Batwing and literally smashes a poor guy's head right into a giant bell. I really don't have too many other complaints other than that. There's the scene where Bruce is trying to tell Vicky Vale his secret and it kind of goes on a little bit too long. It's like, all right, this is, this needs to be a little bit tightened up. I think here we kind of get what the scene is trying to convey that he's really struggling to tell this secret. But I think overall there's just memorable scene after memorable scene in this and it, it really is one of those kind of movies that like you never get sick and tired of watching and it sets a high standard for all their Batman movies to follow. There's just really something special about it. It's not just a great blockbuster movie. It's a great film from beginning to end. And regardless of any outside attachment that you might have to it, whether you think it's not like this or it should be like this from the comic book, it doesn't matter. It's its own thing and it's truly something special and that's why i'm gonna go right there with you cj i'm gonna give that 10 out of 10 holy known unknown flying objects batman <laughs> <laughs> also shout out to billy d williams oh the hell coolest yeah. harvey oh dent ever smoking his little cigar oh oh my gosh hell yeah man Love it. i really wish we got that also wait quick thing i know we're running long but i i gotta ask the the biggest thing in this movie um Batman's origin completely changing where now it's like you have a personal connection to Joker because it's revealed that Joker had killed his parents. Love that. Oh my gosh. And how creepy was the smile of that guy? Oh, love I, that. I, yeah. I wish I looked up his name. Oh, Ooh. he's so good. Ugh. So creepy. Love Ooh. it. I absolutely Man. love that change. And I think it's an interesting change because it makes it more personal. I think it's awesome. I, I do think now if a movie pulled that, it'd be annoying because now we're just trying to like make everything so insular. It's like when Star Wars always takes place yeah. on like a desert planet and everyone's last yeah, name Sam, is Skywalker. Sam Raimi does that in Spider-Man 3. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of, that was hitting. I'm like, eh, all right. But in here, ex- no, because the reveal when, you know, they're in the in his house and he's like what is it you ever dance with the devil um the pale moon like oh oh and he realizes it brilliant absolutely brilliant oh can i give it 10 uh devils dancing in the pale moon yeah. <laughs> there, 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 there you go there you go i give uh 10 let's get nuts <laughs> let's get nuts i i love how that line was then reused by george costanza and seinfeld you want to get nuts let's get nuts <laughs> Uh, so good so good oh man well this has been a phenomenal discussion cj i'm super pumped about talking to you about more batman movies as we go along here because this is already off to great start i think absolutely yeah cj thank you so much for being here today oh no i'm always happy to talk batman always happy to talk to you guys i love talking to you guys yeah you guys are like the do you, do you- the podcasting neighbors basically because you know we, we all live with in the, in the same like state um <laughs> one of these days we're going to record in person you know what we, i gotta we gotta make it work we gotta make it work if i get this we're, if i get this full time i will splurge i will drive up to orlando we will all Ooh. get what is it drunk and uh and, and talk about uh <laughs> talk. we'll do you know the, the floridian drunk which is bath salts and what else, what else? Well, cbd i guess <laughs> no okay we're, we're not floridians sorry. i live in miami that's not florida <laughs> Don't don't even don't even. <laughs> That's like a whole different note. Uh, but yes, yes, we, we will record Pitbull a podcast. Country. We will record a podcast in person. It would be it'll it's it's my goal. Twenty twenty two. I will record a podcast with you guys in person. I will cheers to that, good cheers. sir. Cheers to that. I've got one final drop here. I am here. 
Cheers to you too, CJ. CJ, do you uh, want to promote your Twitter before we uh, log off here? Uh, no, don't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Don't, don't follow me on Twitter. I, I'm on there <laughs> against my own free will at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, follow G4D on Instagram and Facebook and wherever you download podcasts. There we are. And uh, CJ, remember, you're the number one guy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of G4D, Grounds for Discussion with Adam and John. Stay up to date on future episodes and all our caffeine-induced antics on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the username G4D underscore podcast. Drop us a line at G4Dpodcast at gmail.com if you have any music suggestions, general questions, or business inquiries. You can find our podcast on iTunes, and John and I would super appreciate if you rated and subscribed to our show. May your cup and heart always be full of coffee, good music, and cliche motivational ending sentences. Thanks.